This podcast is for information purposes only. Nothing should be taken as professional or medical advice or opinion. Please consult your mental health or primary care provider for professional advice. All names and details have been changed to protect the submitter's identity. If you are experiencing an emergency, please dial 911 immediately. Rebecca Pitney, and you have found the How Can I Help You podcast. I'm a social worker, and I work with individuals and families in crisis. A crisis is a time of trouble, danger, decision-making, or stress. You could email me questions, comments, or topics you would like to discuss at podcast at gmail.com, or check out my website, howcanihelpyoupodcast.weebly.com. And if you have found any of this information helpful, please rate my podcast. This gives us some feedback and lets us know if anybody's listening. While we're still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, and many of us are either quarantined or we're staying home on stay-at-home orders to slow the spread of the virus. So let's answer a question from a mom that's in this situation that we'll call Angelica. She writes, I have a six-year-old daughter who is in kindergarten. Both of us have been home together since schools in my state have closed due to the COVID pandemic. I have been working from home as I am a high school teacher, and she has been working on home learning with me and guidance from her teacher. She has always been the type to worry and has been especially anxious throughout this time, constantly working herself up into fits over minor problems disrespectful behavior, and more quick to anger, although she's always had a temper. And a lot of times she says that she just feels bad. A lot of this has led to tension between myself and my boyfriend, her dad, and her. Arguments, snappy comments, just overall crappy attitudes. How can I help her feel less anxious about life right now? How can I be more supportive to her needs? Thank you so much, Angelica. This is a really great question. Can anyone else relate? Yeah, I know I can. My kids are adults right now, but yeah, I've been there, and it's hard. But you're already on the right track because you ended your question with, how can I be more supportive to her needs? And that's the key right there to the answer, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But first, I have to say, nothing that you've mentioned seems way out of the scope for a typical child. It's not unusual for a child to have a temper, And some anxiety, of course, is part of life. But if you start to see some extreme behaviors from your child, or if you feel like things are just not getting better at all and are getting worse, you need to contact your doctor right away. And definitely, if you see anything like a pattern of your child hurting themselves or others on purpose, um, anything like pulling hair, regressing to infantile behavior, refusing to eat, sleep, or talk, if you see a large weight gain or a large loss of weight, excessive fearfulness, inappropriate sexual talk or behavior, or anything else that you see that's just not the usual for your child, you definitely need to reach out to your doctor right away. And remember, this is just a podcast. I'm not a pediatrician or a child development specialist, but You know, I do have some suggestions and resources that might be helpful from my experience as a social worker. 
let's just all agree that the situation you guys are in right now is not ideal. It sounds like you were a family of three that were all used to having busy lives that regularly took you all out of the home every day. So you and your child are in a period of adjustment and change. And because change is always hard, you're all feeling the extra stress. The first step here is to look at yourself. You may need to manage your own expectations here about your family. Ask yourself, do I need to reset my perspective on my circumstances? Here's some things to think about. It's normal for kids to feel and express a wide range of emotions. Most of the time, they're probably going to feel neutral, but a lot of the time they're going to feel frustrated, afraid, or sad. This is okay. In fact, they'll probably be feeling negative emotions about as often or as much as they're feeling positive ones. And, you know, this is called being a human. And when you're a small human, the world can be overwhelming and scary sometimes. You mentioned that your child says that she just feels bad a lot of the times. I don't think you're doing this, but I've seen some parents get really freaked out when their children are experiencing negative emotions, and they think it's their job to help their children avoid these feelings at all costs. Okay, this is an unrealistic expectation. You need to let that go if that's your expectation. There's some times when your child is just going to feel bad. Don't worry, they're, they're not going to die, and you won't either. Let the emotions come, and then let them go. And then take a deep breath and get on with your day. Don't fall into the trap of all or nothing thinking. Sometimes I hear people say things like, well, that just ruined the whole day when something bad happens. Don't think like that. It's much better to realize and teach your children that a day is just a day and good things and bad things are going to happen. But either way, you can handle it. And, you know, you might fall down and skin your knee in the morning, but that doesn't mean you can't have a good afternoon. Try to reframe your perspective about your situation. Yes, okay, you're stuck at home and it's close quarters and it's hard not to get on each other's nerves, and it's hard to get your work done. But, okay, what is a good thing about being at home right now? It sounds like you're still working. That's a blessing. Some families aren't. It sounds like your child has some issues, but otherwise she's doing okay, and she's learning, and she's growing. That's a blessing. Some kids can't. You might have to start a gratitude journal or take time to remind yourself of five good things when you're feeling down or you can have your child do this too when she is a little whiny and a little complainy. Take a minute and say, can you think of five good things about today? And you're not going to feel like doing this at first, but do it anyway. It really does help. Another good technique to reframe is to step back and take the long view or the big picture view of your situation. Yeah, it's hard now, but overall you're glad you're all together and safe, right? Okay. That's the big picture, so keep that in mind. Now, let's talk about your child's behavior. First, let me give you some background. You mentioned that you're a teacher. That's really good because you understand kids and you know all about child development. So now, do you remember the attachment cycle? Here's the theory. One of the most important things for a young child is the ability to trust their parents. For a typical infant, they develop attachment to their parent when they experience a need, and then they express that need with their voice. 
and then the parent responds and meets the need, and then the child's able to relax. This cycle occurs over and over again, and trust is developed over time between the child and the parent. And it's not just trust in you as the parent, but it's trust in general with the world, that the world is generally a safe and good place and they're going to be okay. Somebody is caring for them. Now, if a parent is neglectful, and I'm not saying that you guys are in any way here, but, you know, hypothetically, if a parent does not meet the child's needs, the child will learn that their voice doesn't matter. And the only way they have to try to get their needs met is by using other ways or using behaviors. And as that child grows up and gets older, their behaviors become things like having tantrums, hitting, lying, stealing, or other ways of acting out. Or as I've observed, if a child is just naturally anxious or has other issues like ADHD, where they sort of have like a high level of feeling of needs, sometimes they'll use behaviors because they feel overwhelmed by their needs and their emotions. So think of your child's behaviors as their way of trying to communicate a need. Ask yourself, what is the need that is underlying this behavior? Here's some common meanings behind behaviors. It might be a fear-based response. The kid is afraid of something. This is really common in kids with anxiety, right? Because they have this low-level feeling of fear, and then they kind of start to become afraid of that feeling of fear, and that becomes anxiety. Maybe they have a physical need. Maybe they don't understand what's going on, and they feel overwhelmed. That this is a difficulty with executive functioning, because we know kids haven't developed that yet. Maybe they're having a sensory processing problem, like something literally doesn't feel good, or it hurts, or it's making them feel sick. Maybe they're unable to soothe themselves, because, you know, they're emotionally immature. They're children. This is normal. So sometimes they can't calm themselves down, so they start to use behaviors. Think back to your child's behaviors. You mentioned that she constantly worries, she has fits, and there's disrespectful behavior going on. Sometimes she has anger. And ask yourself these questions. Is there a need underneath these behaviors? And what can I learn from the pattern of behaviors that I see? For instance, you've already observed that your child has always been the type to worry. What makes the worrying better? What makes it worse? Can you identify the kinds of things that are making her worry? And can you talk to her about it and give her some more information? Now, if you think back to the attachment model and use this to understand the behavior, then one way to reduce troubling behaviors in a child is to strengthen that trust relationship between you and your child. This allows your child to relax and not worry so much. So here's a really good rule of thumb. Rules and regulations only work in the context of a strong relationship. Without the relationship, you will get rebellion and resentment. Okay? So they're all R. So you can think of R plus R minus R, which is rules plus regulations minus the relationship, without the relationship, equals rebellion and resentment equals R plus R. Okay, so they're all R's. 
Here's some more practical tips. Number one, relax. Stay in the present. Remind yourself each day that it's a new day. Don't dwell on the negative parts of your child's behavior or the past. Try not to wake up every day with your teeth clenched, ready to go to battle. Let the day happen, and when the hard times come, deal with them in the moment, and then move on. Have a good expectation. Number two, work on your relationship with your child every day. This will be something that will never end as long as you're a parent. You'll want to be bonded with your child. What does this mean? This means that you and your child have the understanding between you that if something bad happens to one of you, it happens to both of you, right? So if your child does something bad, it doesn't just hurt them, it hurts the whole family because you're all bonded and vice versa. When something good happens to one person in the family, it's happening to all of us. So how do you bond with your child? Well, you have to do things on their level. So your child is six. So you're a teacher, you know, they're developing executive functioning at this stage. So they enjoy games with rules, with logic, guessing, like mastermind. They like connect four, they like puzzles. You get the idea. So do things on their level. Third thing you can do, when things are calm, you can sit together and make up some family rules. Let her think of some too. This will give her a sense of control and that she's part of the process. And then you can put them up on the fridge because, you know, she's learning how to read right now. Here's some suggestions. Always stick together. Never leave a buddy behind, right? <laughs> Ask permission. That's a good one. And since she's having a problem with being disrespectful, show respect, okay? So if she does something or says something disrespectful, you can say to her, remember our rule, show respect. Can you try that again with respect? Or are you asking me or are you telling me? Are you saying that with respect? Here's another good one. Use your words or be kind and gentle or this is a really good one. No hurts. No hurts mean hurting with your words or hurting physically. No hurts is a really good family rule. Another one might be listen the first time. And another one could be don't keep secrets. We only keep surprises. You'll have to brainstorm together and think of ones that are meaningful to you and then put them up on the fridge. For kids with anxiety, it's really important to have a routine. So you can make a family schedule. Don't make it too rigid because you want it to be something that you can stick to practically every day. You can put it up on the wall. Um, this is what your daughter's teacher does, I'm sure. Visual cues are super important and very helpful for kids because this helps them know what they're doing and what's next and what they can expect. For instance, you know, get up, get dressed, breakfast, exercise time, school time, snack, outside play time. You don't have to make it super, super detailed, but big things that you want to accomplish every day. Also, try to make the schedule pretty regular every day. Like you're getting up around the same time, nap time is around the same time, bedtime's around the same time. This is very helpful to a child. They won't understand why, but 
when they sort of get used to a routine, they know what's coming up and they know what to expect. You're also going to want to keep the day moving for you and your child. This will hopefully avoid times of boredom or just blank times where nothing's going on. So you can set up centers in your home like they do at the school. You know, a place to do dress up, an outside play area, a place with board games and puzzles, a kitchen corner, things like that. And keep the child physically moving through the day and keep the time moving and always look forward to like the next thing that's coming up. For anxious kids, it's also really important to avoid abrupt transitions. So you can set a timer or um, set a timer on your phone so the child can see the time. And that's always better than just verbal directions because when the child can see the timer, it gives them a sense of control and it helps them learn self-regulation. Always make sure you prepare a child for transitions. Say something like, when you finish your Play-Doh, it's going to be time to clean up. Discuss what's going to happen during the afternoon while you're at lunch um, so that they know what to expect. Because people get more anxious when they feel like they don't know what's going on or they feel out of control. So more information always helps. This is why everybody went crazy buying toilet paper, right? Because they were anxious and they wanted to do something and be in control of something. And that was like the one thing that they could do to control at that time. They could go buy toilet paper. Okay, award all the good behaviors that you possibly can. So you can use charts to visually let your child see their progress. They can check off when they do a lesson. They can get a gold star when they clean their room. Whatever you pay attention to is going to grow. So focus on the good behaviors. Focus on the positives. Make sure you always are pointing them out and reinforcing that. Have a conversation with your child about what is triggering them. What is making them mad? Why are they afraid? Why are they upset? What is making them sad? How do they know that they're mad or sad? What are they feeling? What does it feel like in their body? What do they do when they're mad or afraid or sad? Do they yell? Do they kick? Do they slam doors? So what's a different thing that they can do? You're asking them really what's a different positive coping mechanism that they can use, right? And discuss positive coping skills with your child. You know, they can do deep breathing. And the way you do this with a young child is you say, hold a soup bowl and blow on it. Blow, blow, blow on the soup. It's really hot, okay? This is causing them to do deep breathing and it calms their body down. They can squeeze a stress ball or a um, silly little stuffed animal that squeaks or something. They can push a wall, say, go push on the wall for 10 seconds. Okay, this, their whole body is, is using their muscles and it gets all that stress and tension out. They can take a deep breath and roar like a lion or they can jump rope. Anything that will let them process and get through these emotions when they're feeling triggered. And discuss a pre-plan for triggers. Say, when you feel this, you are going to go to the basket and get out a stress ball. Okay? And like have them kind of rehearse that in their mind or actually physically rehearse it. I'm going to go to the basket and I'm going to get out a stress ball when I feel this. 
And you know what? Speaking of triggers right now, you need to really think about the kind of media that your kid is exposed to and the kind of news that's on in your house. The news right now is stressful and anxiety provoking for adults, but for children, it can be really overwhelming. Make sure they're not exposed to lots of images of people in hazmat suits and lots of people in distress. You may have to really filter what your child is consuming right now. Now, when you have to correct your child, here's what you need to do. Number one, manage your emotional response. Don't correct a child when you are super angry and you're about to fly off the handle. Calm yourself down. Then address the relationship first. Say, honey, I love you, and I love you too much to let you act this way. Then address the behavior. If your child's in the middle of a meltdown, you're going to want to use short words and phrases. Don't lecture. They can't hear it when they're in the middle of a meltdown. Have only one person intervene if possible. Okay, you don't want to overwhelm them. Make sure that the child is safe and give her some space while providing some supervision from a distance. And whatever you do, do not provide any positive feedback or reward while they're in the middle of the meltdown. So I have seen people give a child a treat or give in to the child just to have them stop the fit. Don't do that. Let them have the fit and then let them calm down on their own. It's going to take longer, but it's worth it. And then after the meltdown, your child's going to need some time to de-escalate. So they can do something physically active, but not destructive, like running around in the backyard, squeezing a pillow, give them their stress ball. But during this de-escalation time, use as few words as possible. And don't talk about what just happened. Just model healthy, good coping skills yourself to the child. You can say something like, okay, you know what, I'm going to need a minute and then go into another room for a little bit and let the child sit there and squeeze their stress ball and de-escalate. Then when things are calm, you can talk to your child, but only after they've returned to baseline. You can discuss what happened. Say what led to this what were the triggers? What were they feeling? What coping skills did your child try? Why didn't they work? What can she do the next time? And then what are the consequences of her behavior? Always discuss the natural consequences first. For instance, well, since you ripped up your book, I guess we're never going to be able to read that again. That makes me sad. Reinforce the idea that her emotions are okay, but some of her behaviors are not okay. Help her understand that she needs to think of an appropriate way to behave when she's experiencing her negative emotions. And then you're going to have to just repeat, 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 right? <laughs> and then hopefully this twofold approach of increasing the trust in your relationship with your child and then giving your child tools to deal with their negative emotions will lead to a more peaceful home. And you can do this. I believe in you. Because remember, kids grow up. Remind yourself of that. It's going to get better. 
they're going to grow up, they're going to become mature, they're going to develop more skills, and hopefully they'll be more in control of their emotions. If you're interested in more information on this subject, all the references that I've used as sources for this talk are on my website, howcanihelpyoupodcast.weebly.com. Most of this work came from work with foster children and adoptive families. So you'll see the titles of the books mainly refer to that, but the principles are good in every family. And as usual, please write me back. Let me know if any of these suggestions were helpful or if you have any other good suggestions or tips that we can add to the conversation. I'd like to thank everybody who's listening and sending in your questions. Keep them coming. We have some interesting ones, and I love getting questions. You can always email me with comments and feedback to howcanihelpyoupodcast at gmail.com, and please rate my podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and thanks also to my producer, Mary Ellen Pitney. And until next time, stay safe, take care, and have a good day. Mm-hmm.